Another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. Another great week when a nation that had been polarized and divided and fragmented and all of the commentary had to do with Americans couldn't possibly come together on anything. The uh, great majority of Americans, the uh, not silent, very vocal, very passionate majority has come together in support of Ukraine and the incredibly gallant and inspiring struggle of the Ukrainian people uh, to uh, fight against uh, one of the most brutal and senseless assaults, certainly that has happened uh, since uh, World War II. Somebody who has witnessed a great deal of history and written about it as well as anyone uh, is my guest, George Will. He, uh, his commentary uh, has the great gift of making you think I didn't realize that, uh, drawing connections where you might not have seen them, but also very often making you laugh and occasionally making you cry. Uh, George, uh, what an honor to uh, have you on the show. Are you a little bit surprised in a positive way by the emotional reaction of the American people in support of a Ukraine struggle? I am, and it's a tribute, really, to the power of graphic journalism. Uh, the old saying is, a picture's worth a thousand words. I'm a word person, but let's give credit to the fact that we have pictures now, real-time pictures of war, something we didn't have during World War II, began to get only, and only a bit, in Vietnam. Uh, this is a, a a powerful reminder to Americans of how petty many of our differences are compared to the stakes that the uh, Ukrainians are living through. And uh, it would, again, did you know before um, before this conflict broke out the phrase uh, Slava Ukraina, uh, glory to Ukraine? I did not. I did not. And. Uh, I didn't know what their flag looked like. I do now. It's, uh, my office is in the Georgetown section of Washington, and the Ukraine embassy is in the Georgetown section, in a house occupied several centuries ago by William Marbury of Marbury v. Madison, the, the great Supreme Court case that really launched and established judicial review. Right, so I, like to, I like to think the Ukrainians are connected to our history in an interesting way. Wow. Wow. Um, how do you believe that uh, this ends? I won't say when do you believe it ends, but how is it likely to end? I think it's likely to end with the, the Soviet, Union. <laughs> Soviet Union. There, I, I'm stuck in this because I do think there's a continuity between the Soviet Union and Putin's Russia. After all, Putin's Russia is run by a former KGB agent. I think it ends with uh, Russian forces occupying uneasily, difficultly, uh, bloodily, Ukraine, all of it. Uh, I think they are going to swallow something they're going to find indigestible. But I don't see how he would stop. I don't see where he would stop. I don't see why he would stop from his point of view. Uh, I, I think he's bitten, bitten off more than he can chew, but he's going to find that out later. And later because of a uh, long-term insurgency in country? 
a long-term insurgency, a long-term uh, experience with the sanctions now in place. Uh, people are talking about, is there some way we could provide Putin an off-ramp so he could he could come up short and, and make, if not a U-turn, at least a, a pause. I think what, what he is looking for is a way to get it out from under these sanctions, and, the, and I don't think he's making it possible to lift the sanctions. So uh, I, I think this is a, a long-term disaster for Putin's Russia, and we're going to see just how stable his rule is. You know, there's an old saying, I think it was Napoleon's, you can do anything with bayonets except sit on them. And I don't think uh, he's going to find trying to govern uh, Ukraine, a, a nation of 44 million people, what about a million of them have left, but uh, uh, a large European nation, the largest geographically of any nation entirely in Europe, uh, he's going to find governing this really testing, really expensive, and involving a constant trickle of uh, caskets returning young Russians to Russia. How do you think this impacts American politics? Mike Pence, uh, apparently, though they have not released any uh, tape or sound of it, but they released the text. He delivered a powerful speech to Republican donors on Friday night in which he said there is no room in the GOP for Putin apologists. Uh, how is this going to impact America politically? Well, first of all, let's give the Biden-Blinken team credit. It seems to me since there was no possibility and no desirability for the United States to get in a shooting war on the edge of, of Russia, uh, there were limits to what we could do. But uh, we did th several things brilliantly. First, we took their uh, gathered all our intelligence and read it back to Putin. We sort of announced to him daily, we're reading your mail. And I think we probably got in his head a little bit. Second, uh, our alliances needed to be repaired after recent years, and they've done this brilliantly. The change of uh, foreign policy, really overturning 50 years of semi-pacifist foreign policy in Germany, is an epical moment that the, the largest economy in Europe has now joined Europe, and Europe is today not just a geographic expression, but for the first time ever it is a political expression uh, in, in the teeth of, of a real aggressor. So I think that's changed, and it, it, will, it will and should strengthen Mr. Biden. On the other hand, uh, we are the sum of our choices, and some members of the so-called uh, self-identified conservatives made theirs a while ago. They decided that Putin was someone admirable, that he represented Christian values, that he represented family and all that other stuff. Well, we, we know that he's, he's a kleptocrat, and, uh, uh, and now we know he's a war criminal. The first count in the Nuremberg indictment of the Nazi war criminals was planning, initiating, and waging aggressive war. Uh, so these people who went out on a limb on his behalf just got the limb sawed off. And uh, uh, you have a column that's, that's caused quite a stir with a great headline. The headline is, uh, Donald Trump looks increasingly like a stray orange hair to be flicked off the nation's sleeve. Uh, what you're talking about is Trump's participation in the primaries coming up, which may not quite go quite the well he expect, way he expected. 
Well, yes, Mr. Trump is trying to do something that's very difficult, even for a very skilled politician, which I don't think he is. He wants to exercise political power without holding political office. That being the case, his only residual power at this point of any significance is the power to influence the candidate selection within the Republican Party primaries. The problem is, on the one hand, he has to use it or lose it, that power. And uh, when he uses it, he's in danger of losing it, because if he begins to endorse people who then do not win, people are going to say, well, the perception that he has power is mere perception, and it's wrong. So it will, I think, uh, evaporate. Many of the people he's endorsing are not doing well in fundraising. The, the great example right now is former Senator uh, Purdue of Georgia, who's running against Governor Kemp, who Trump loathes because Governor Kemp would not say that the uh, 2020 election over which his, his administration presided was illegitimate, rigged, and corrupt. And he wasn't able to find those missing 11,000 votes that he was begging for with Secretary of State Raffensperger. We'll be right back with the one, the only, George Will. More of Michael Medved in a moment. best way to get a sense of just how precious a George Will's com columns remain, and they have been for years, is, of course, to read them. And a great way to do that is with his most recent book, American Happiness and Discontents, The Unruly Torrent, 2008 to 2020. And uh, it has a selection of the... Uh, the incredibly witty uh, and always enlightening and sometimes life-changing uh, columns from America's leading columnist for a couple of generations now, uh, George Will. Uh, we have an election coming up, and it's hard to imagine that uh, what is going on in Ukraine won't cause people to reconsider uh, some of uh, their their emotions and all of this. Right now, the, you were talking earlier, George, about some of the photographs. Their videos of, um, of families murdered, a family of four murdered by a, a Russian shell. Uh, who knows what happens when the Syrian uh, mercenary assassins get into the uh, into the fight in Ukraine? Uh, in terms of assuming that there is some kind of fighting going on in Ukraine at the time of this November's election, how is that likely to play? That's an excellent and unanswerable question. Because, as the old axiom has it, overnight is a long time and a week is forever in American politics. Okay. I began our conversation by talking about the power of graphic journalism. 
There is, however, a numbing effect of it. After a while, people, uh, I think, are desensitized by the by the uh, carnage that they see and the explosions and the bodies and all the rest. Uh, so it's hard to say, but I do think it'll have this effect. Uh, politics is serious. It is not entertainment. Politics has real consequences, and this is a brutal reminder of this to an American public that every once in a while needs to be reminded that it's not a game. It is, uh, it, it is deadly. Uh, so I, I think a kind of, I like to think, that a kind of sobriety is going to descend over the country. And we'll say, look, we are electing people who are going to make decisions about life and death for other people and certainly peril or less peril for our own nation. Uh, certainly, uh, it, it seems to me that opposition to uh, spending increases on behalf of the Army and the Navy uh, and the Air Force, uh, the, uh, those spending increases should have a much better chance of bipartisan support, don't you think? I do. C Congress already has ignored the president in the sense that uh, it has, I think, in both houses of Congress, uh, has increased the defense appropriation over what the president asked for. Now, the president has not asked for anything commensurate with the new situation that Ukraine and, and rampant Russia indicates. The president, in his, the first, the, the good first 10 minutes of his otherwise nondescript and routine State of the Union address, was eloquent about Ukraine, but silent about the need for the United States to adjust its priorities. After all, the fundamental task of the federal government is national security. The fundamental responsibility of the president is national security. And he was silent on the material as, well, as distinct from the rhetorical response to this crisis. And uh, in terms of, um, we were talking before about uh, Mike Pence uh, putting forward a, a challenge to President Trump. I, I would, uh, and particularly for President Trump's statements and his long-term attitude toward Vladimir Putin, uh, where, uh, again, one of the things that they seem to agree on was uh, opposition to NATO. It was widely reported that the Trump administration, if it had been given a second term, was going to remove the United States from NATO. Uh, that was something that uh, Putin would have welcomed and uh, the world would have rued. Uh, where, do, where do we go from here in terms of the remaining bastions of isolationism? Uh, that uh, still uh, seem to exist in the Republican Party. It is well to remember that Dwight Eisenhower, one of the most successful Republican presidents in the long history of the Republican Party, that Dwight Eisenhower ran for president in 1952 somewhat reluctantly, but his reluctance was overcome by the fact that he thought that Senator Taft of Ohio, who at that point was called Mr. Republican, and who was opposed to NATO, who was opposed to an understanding of American national security interests that was not confined to the Western Hemisphere. Uh, Eisenhower said the nation cannot afford that in an era of long-range bombers and soon-to-be ballistic missiles. Uh, so this great divide in the Republican Party came to a head in the nomination scramble in 1952 when Eisenhower defeated Taft 
on the grounds that we needed to to come to terms with uh, internationalism and put aside forever the isolationist temptation. And for the what the meaning for that for nineteen two thousand twenty four. It is that uh, a number of uh, uh, people, spokesmen, a number of voices on the American right have revealed themselves, uh, provoked by Putin. They have uh, been, to say no more, uh, at best ambivalent about the idea of condemning Putin and taking stern measures, measures that have a blowback effect on the United States and the cost of energy and all the rest. They have indicated that the, this regnant isolationism still has a residue in the Republican Party, and it must be uh, must be resisted. And uh, a question that a number of people are asking, and your answer would be invaluable. Why, how would you explain to people the fact that uh, during the four years of President Trump, uh, why didn't Putin invade Ukraine when Trump was there? I don't think the issue would become ripe. It would not become ripe because uh, although as far back as, as uh, 10 years ago when he, uh, Putin made his strong statement through Lavrov at the Munich Security Conference, it was clear he didn't want NATO to expand, but NATO's not expanding to bring in Ukraine. I think it just it's simmered in this man. He's 69 years old. He's concerned with his legacy. He may be unstable. And the issue simply had not fermented enough in, in his disturbed mind. Uh, George Will, his most recent book, American Happiness and Discontents, The Unruly Torrent, 2008 to 2020. May you go from strength to strength. It is always such an honor and privilege to speak with you. When we come back, we'll go back to that question. Why no invasion of Ukraine under Trump? What happened there? We will get to that and more on The Medved Show. The Michael Medved Show. All across America. It's an honor to talk to you because I think you have the best talk show in the, in the United States. Thank um, you. I agree. This is The Michael Medved Show. They just announced that there will be uh, an extraordinary occurrence tomorrow uh, at the British Houses of Parliament, uh, where a, they will have a special address to the uh, British House of Commons via video link. That's what the Speaker of the House announced. Sir Lindsay Hoyle said he was pleased to grant the request by President of Vladimir Zelensky of Ukraine. The historic request for this video link address, the address uh, will take place at uh, 17 Greenwich Mean Time. The speech will be shown on screens being installed, installed in the House chamber. More than 500 headsets will also be provided to relay an English translation of his statement. Uh, can the uh, United States uh, joint session of Congress be far behind? It shouldn't be because this is a, uh, a voice that needs to speak 
with clarity and force to the rest of the world. Uh, there's there's also this, which is, and a number, there have been a number of pieces that have answered this in, in, in various ways. Uh, George Will's answer, uh, when I asked him the question, the question is, why didn't Putin invade under Trump? And there are many people in the Republican Party and people who are Trump loyalists who believe that he waited for Biden because Biden is a weaker president, is a weaker personality, does not have the Trumpian aura of strength and decisiveness, and uh, that uh, especially after the Afghan debacle and its very poor handling by President Biden, uh, Putin was encouraged that he could actually get away with something like this with only a minimal or feeble response from the West, and Trump had never given him that indication. Now, I don't deny, I do think that what happened in Afghanistan, which was a nightmare and a shame and a disgrace in many ways for our country, that that contributed to the likelihood of Putin taking advantage of a nation that increasingly had been perceived until just a couple of weeks ago, February 24th was the date of the invasion. But uh, before the invasion actually took place, the United States looked divided and confused and uncertain. And I think that there's no one more shocked than uh, Vladimir Putin that... Um, that the United States has reacted in such a, uh, a unified and conscientious way. There are even a series of Hollywood celebrities, uh, not including former celebrities like Steven Seagal, who is still Putin's pal, but uh, Hollywood celebrities who are rushing to the defense and support of the country. There's clearly been nothing like this in America since... September 11th, and September 11th, I, I believe, was short-lived uh, because of some of the decisions of the Bush administration and because of some of the uh, irresponsible positions of the American left and some on the extreme isolationist right. But this, I think, had, will have a more lasting impact. The most interesting piece was in Politico.com by uh, Jessica uh, Pisano, and uh, she is a, uh, a professor at the uh, News School, and she writes, why didn't Putin invade under Trump? It wasn't personal. Uh, she writes that now that Russian President Vladimir Putin has launched a ground war against Ukraine that he apparently has been planning for years, many have wondered why he waited till now. After all, the four years of Donald Trump's presidency were an ebb tide of American power and influence, and Trump himself frequently went out of his way uh, not to antagonize the Russian leader. Wouldn't it have been easier for Putin to invade Ukraine when Trump was president? The United States had abdicated its traditional leadership in global alliances and left much of the rest of the world to expanded Chinese and Russian influence. The uh, plus NATO had already expanded eastward to Russia's borders and the Kremlin controlled Crimea and had proxies in the Donbass. Some American politicians and commentators on the political right 
have uh, taken to answer that question by comparing the purported strength or weaknesses of President uh, Joe Biden with that of Trump, alleging that Putin saw Trump as stronger than Biden, even though Putin's own description of Trump suggested the opposite. But beyond personality, there is far more likely the logical explanation if you look at policy alignment between Russia and America during the two administrations. With Trump in office, Putin was already getting what he wanted. The election changed all that. Consider where Trump and Biden stand on three key issue areas that the Kremlin cares deeply about. NATO, number one, political leadership in Ukraine, number two, and undermining democracy under Trump. There was little daylight between Russia and the United States in these issues. Uh, even as Trump's vocal criticisms may have inadvertently strengthened the alliance, Trump worked to diminish the influence of NATO, uh, reportedly planning to withdraw from it in the second term. As a candidate, Trump had even remarked that maybe, maybe NATO ought to dissolve, and that's okay with me. That's not the worst thing in the world. Trump also broke with longstanding bipartisan support of Ukraine. During the Trump administration's first year, Vladimir Zelensky was still a showman whose comedy troupe performed patriotic musical numbers with lyrics like, there's a fog uh, over Brussels and frost in Washington, and used a Me Too leitmotif comparing Ukraine's treatment by Russia and the West to a sexual assault. When Zelensky beat an incumbent president in a landslide, Trump actually withheld military aid to Ukraine sending personal emissaries to try to pressure and undermine Zelensky in the eyes of Ukrainians by asking him to do us a favor, though. And both while in office and since leaving it, Trump has worked tirelessly to cast doubt on the legitimacy of American elections, going to great yet unsuccessful lengths uh, to find evidence of fraud in the 2020 presidential contest. Trump makes assertions about American elections that echo the Kremlin's, even reciting a trope about voting by dead souls a, uh, that comes from a 19th century Russian literature. There's a novel called Dead Souls by Gogol. At rallies, Trump repeats the same claims uh, that uh, the day of January 6th on Capitol, attack on the Capitol. You don't concede when there's, uh, when thefts involved. In any event, this idea that some of the messages that Putin has been trying to send about the United States, about the United States being a corrupt country, a company that had American carnage against its own citizens, uh, she writes, in Trump, Putin had a fellow traveler. Far from ensuring world peace, he for many years instead offered Putin a useful pause he utilized to further uh, ready the prime Russian population for a hot war. Earlier this month, the Russian uh, state uh, uh, prepared new standards for mass graves, not because of the coronavirus pandemic, but for situations that involve urban destruction. Far from deterring Putin, Trump did the opposite. Thanks to Putin... Uh, Trump, Putin was able to take advantage of a period of apparent detente during which Trump actually uh, was following Putin's own policies of weakening NATO and democracy and destabilizing the West. Uh, provocative answer? 
Well, sure, but we'll get to more on this issue and others coming up on the Medved Show. The Michael Medved Show, all across America. I really enjoy your program. I listen to talk radio all day. You're definitely right up there, the cream of the crop. This is The Michael Medved Show. show uh this is something that we just have to cover because it is um so classy uh our tweet of the day turn the page now to the internet i mean wow what a great smart tweet change his password so he no longer has access to his twitter feed did you send the tweet i did not send that tweet my system was hacked i was pranked donald trump hasn't tweeted at us once and i'm starting to get worried about him so we have a new tweet all right can i do the honors stand by tweet alert and on the michael medved show the tweet of the day is actually the one that answers a uh, challenge tweet the challenge tweet first was from representative marjorie taylor green who is part of the pro-Putin caucus in the United States House of Representatives. Thank God it's a very small caucus. But uh, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, was responding to a series of tweets by Alexander Vindman. And uh, Lieutenant Colonel Vindman, as you may know, uh, worked in uh, national security, colonel in the Marine Corps for many, many years. But uh, she called him a clown. And she, in fact, uh, wrote in her tweet, this clown wants to drag Americans into war with Russia with his big, tough tweets and his Zoom interviews on CNN. Go ahead and go fight yourself since you're from Ukraine, she said. You are clueless about Americans being fed up with sending our sons and daughters to die in foreign lands. Uh, Colonel Vindman uh, responded, and his response is the tweet of the day. What uh, he said in his tweet, first of all, it features a... Um, a photograph of him from some years ago and he's in uniform and he's wearing over his chest his purple heart uh, that he received for being wounded in action and uh, Alexander Vindman tweeted back and he has a hashtag too which is here right matters and Colonel Vindman says uh, this is what service looks like I served my country, the United States of America, who welcomed my refugee family. I served for 21 years, six months, and 10 days in uniform, and I continue to serve out of uniform. You only serve as Putin's useful idiot. The uh, term useful idiot coined by Lenin, and it's something having grown up, in uh, Ukraine when Ukraine was still a part of 
the Soviet Union. It's something that uh, that Colonel Vindman would know about. Uh, I think that's about as effective an answer as you could possibly give on something like that. There is um, also a more that uh, is is a stirring people, and there's a little Ukrainian girl who's depicted on video uh, sitting in a bomb shelter with her family waiting to come out. And you've seen a lot of this, but she's singing an American song or composed in America, uh, Let It Go. And she sounds like this. This is clip number four. Um, it's very sweet. And I'll tell you what else is wonderful is there was a uh, response by Adina Menzel, who um, actually gained fame with that song. Uh, Adina Menzel uh, tweeted, We see you. Uh, a three-word tweet, um, which is exactly right and exactly meaningful at this point. Um, the uh, mayor of... Sure, sure. Uh, and this is another great thing. It, it, the microphone went out. Charlotte's um, Major League Soccer home opener uh, was supposed to be with the national anthem, of course, and but the microphone went out, and uh, here's what it sounded like in Charlotte, North Carolina. Listen. It's not just a European game now. <laughs> and uh, still not likely to be going out to any Sounders games, but uh, Sounders do a good job calling honor to the city of Seattle. 
not like the fact that we made the front page of the Wall Street Journal in the city of Seattle because of the terrible increase in shooting. Uh, there was more. Um, the uh, mayor of Kiev, uh, Leonid Klitschko is his name. He's a former heavyweight champion of the world, actually. He's a boxer. And he's a pretty serious guy and determined to hold out against the Russians. Here is what he said on ABC News uh, about the Russians who were surrounding his city. A clip eight. It's not secret is target for uh, aggressors the capital of ukraine kiev and that's why that why they try to make circle around our city and to make a pressure but as mayor of kiev uh, i told you it's uh, i visiting uh, many blog posts uh, in uh, many points around kiev uh, we have uh, two circle of defense and uh, amazing, amazing patriotic way. The people lose his houses, and many of people lose uh, members of family, and uh, they is very, very uh, motivated. What do you need from our city? Uh, and then he went on to say this, which is we, something very important. Listen, we always was friendly country we never was aggressive to anyone but right now we have huge motivation to defend our future our country uh putin have huge ambition to rebuild soviet empire we was in ussr and we don't want back to ussr we see our future as democratic modern European country, and we expect uh, support support from whole world because we fighting not just for Ukraine, we fighting for values, we fighting for whole modern world. We have to stop Putin altogether. Uh, my only reaction to that is Slava Ukraine. Glory to Ukraine. And the idea that he is talking about we are fighting for all modern values, we are fighting against Putin, it's uh, extraordinary. This relates to a terrific piece that uh, just appeared in the New York Times. Putin picked the wrong country to mess with. Uh, why? We will get to that. We'll uh, also get to uh, some of the ongoing political controversies about what happens next. No-fly zone, ban on Russian oil, uh, controversial or bipartisan. We'll get to that in This Greatest Nation on God's Green Earth.